Hello and welcome to another edition of Atlas Info Live. Uh, we are glad you could join us. We apologize for this strange um, arrangement today with the uh, the timing, but we hope that you've had an opportunity to watch the premiere of uh, the human condition and the meaning of life and the alm of life. Um, we really burned the midnight oil, as it were, uh, in the final stretch to make this happen, to make it, uh, to make us, uh, to be able to have this opportunity. We've been promising this video for a long time now. And, um, and we ran into some technical issues, um, this week and, but from Friday on, we decided that, no, we had to get it. We had to get at least a version of it done and out there. So if you'd like to join in, there's the link on the, on the screen, and it's also in the chat. Um, you're more than welcome to come on because we really don't have anything planned for today. Uh, this is the topic. The topic is the human condition, the meaning of life, the alm of life. <laughs> um, and uh and the contents of the video uh which we hope you've had an opportunity to watch so i really don't know what else to do but other than just to like kind of open it up to uh, uh discussion or questions or suggestions or or feedback what did you guys think uh Yeah, it's really, <laughs> this might be a very, very short session <laughs> because uh, this is all I have to, to talk about today. Um, this has been completely uh, monopolizing all of my time and energy uh, this week and especially uh, Friday and, uh, and yesterday. And... Um, and then this morning and everything well, just, you know, and then getting it online and getting it on Facebook and, and all that stuff and getting the scheduling system to work on Facebook and oh, what a nightmare. At least YouTube is, is easier to work with on that front and when it's the technical stuff, but video on Facebook, especially when you're dealing with a large file and you're scheduling and everything, like it's just the, the feedback from the system and the way it communicates and the way it operates. It's just, it's just, you're working in the dark. You have no idea what's going on. Um, but you know, uh, in the end we got a, uh, 
a working version, um, you know, uh, So, well, perhaps uh, what we could do is we could always open up PowerPoint and run through the PowerPoint slides. <laughs> we could do that. Um, but even that, it's all in parts. It's broken up in parts now and, uh, and so on because it's the only way we could reliably uh, do the timing uh, of the voiceover and everything, and then and then export it as video, because PowerPoint is uh, not the most efficient piece of software in the world. But um, but okay, there it is. The goal of this video this uh, project was to present in an encapsulated way uh, everything that really matters um, to this humanity and to us as individuals and to try to express it in a way that anyone can understand or at least anyone has an opportunity has a chance to to get it because there's nothing uh, about what we're saying which is exclusionary to anyone and there's nothing about the analogy, the analogies that we're using, like the bicycle and the tugboat, uh, the wheel, um, that like everybody in the world has access to a bicycle, pretty much. Bicycles are even more common in developing nations and the third world than they are in the first world maybe barring Amsterdam, bar, bar, uh, barring Holland. But everywhere else in the world that you go, even if you go into like Africa or wherever you go, uh, they might not have particularly nice or fancy bicycles, but they have bicycles. And the bicycle is the most ubiquitous, most popular, most successful vehicle in the world. Bar none, by far and away, by a huge margin. And that's because children can ride bicycles, but children can't operate automobiles. And for that reason, the bicycle analogy is something that everybody can understand. Anybody who's ever ridden a bike knows what happens when the chain falls off the derailleur. Or the where where you the, the the chain comes off, you can pedal like a madman, but you're not going anywhere. Or if you get a flat, or if whatever the case may be, and most people, most people have never ridden a unicycle, and most people understand 
the difference between a bicycle and a unicycle and how different they are and why it is that bicycles are so successful and ubiquitous and unicycles are not. The other analogy that we use there, of course, was the, uh, the tugboat, which likewise is a ubiquitous universal phenomenon. Everywhere you go in the world, there are big ships, because even if you go to third world countries, those countries export raw materials on huge, on huge uh, ships. They might be oil tankers, they might be ships that are carrying raw commodities, coal or uh, nickel, cobalt, whatever it is. And those ships cannot come into port on their own. So you end up in a scenario, in a situation where, again, we have an analogy, which we hope people can relate to. And the fact that there's this, uh, what would you call it? It's a children's show, but it's not stop motion animation. It's not animated. It's just a children's show of, of mechanized mechanical tugboats in the harbor, uh, Theodore. And that's a show that's shown all over the world because it's easy to translate into other languages because none of the characters' mouths move. So you can overlay, you know, different tracks, different, different soundtracks, different, uh, different translations in languages all over the world. And the same thing was true of uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. So... Again, in a way, this little explanation, this project had to be done in a way that could even reach young people or give older generations a way of explaining it to young people in a way that they will understand. Because even a child understands a bicycle and even children know Theodore Tugboat. It's a simple concept. These are, and there's, and they're self-evident. You can't have, there's no large vessel anywhere in the world that can moor without the help of a tugboat. It's simply not possible. And it's true of the metamind. It's true of our superior vessel, our superior being. The rider of a bicycle needs a rear wheel where the rubber meets the road, right? Otherwise, he's not a cyclist. It's self-evident. That's why, that's why the whole video talks about the triune human being, the true human being. And we get a lot of flack for people telling us, oh, you, you know, you can't say that people aren't real human beings. Well, you know, yes, we can. Because you don't, you don't call a unicycle a bicycle. You don't. Because it isn't. A bicycle is a bicycle. A triune arrangement. A unicycle is what it is. It's a unicycle. It is not a bicycle. So don't tell me 
people are human beings. They're not. They're not. If they were human beings, they would be bicyclists. They would be cyclists. There are degrees to this, of course. But the vast majority of people on this planet do not follow the guidance. And they do not they are not in alignment with the front wheel of their bicycle and they are they do not have a connection to their innermost being, a strong connection, a conscious connection. And you can tell that just just by looking at the evidence. As, and all of the different ways that we explain in the video how a juggling unicyclist right, has, to, has to juggle all of that, all of the nonsense of life because a unicycle has no baskets to organize. It, and in a unicycle, we only have the rational wine to work with. We only have that one wheelhouse. Everything has to go into that one wheelhouse. Whereas when you work with MetaMind, you can relax because there's a whole plethora of things that you no longer have to worry about. You have trust and faith in your inner cyclist that the front wheel is going to take half the load, more than half the load. Hello, Blake. Nice of you to join us. Hello, hello. <clears throat> continue, continue. That was a uh, that was a good topic. I've just been waiting a couple of minutes to join in because I didn't oh, okay. want to interrupt. Um. So, in a bicycle, the rear wheel is really one third, right? Because uh, when you're working with a triune, a trinity, you're really working with one third of the equation. Now with a unicycle, right, it's all on you. If you're just working with your rational mind, it's all on you. You got to take 100%. So of course, you're going to suffer stress and anxiety and, and, and all of the crap that we were showing in the video that's going through people's heads. Because they're taking on way too much. They're that little tugboat trying to go out in the open ocean. Well, I quite like how you can how you um you had the one unicycle with all the um <clears throat> with all the can often sorry that's a bad way of saying it with all of life's distractions, let's say, mm -hmm. and the the new one, which is uh metaverse, uh, which is the the so called metaverse, which right. Yeah, so now you're going to have two. So I, that, that, that was a good and interesting comparison. That's, um, you know what? Instead of doing trying to do this with the, uh, here. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking about, um, I'm going to say slide, yeah. but it's not slide. I got it on the video here. It's probably in the last five minutes, last five, ten. Yeah, here, the, hang yeah, on a second. Yeah. Um, I've got to share this first. Present, share screen, share screen, share screen, share. Okay, and hide this. There it is. Yeah. So this part it, yep. here, yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, let me mute this. Um, so uh, yeah, on this visualization, right? This is why. This is why. Um, 
this idea, right, that we're going to uh, solve all the world's problems by doing this, right? <laughs> by, by, by taking a, like by adding a VR helmet. So we've got all the problems of the world. These are all the things that are going through your mind, right? And so we're going to solve that by sticking on a VR helmet or worse, uh, you know, and, and putting you in this, this, this alternate virtual reality, this matrix, or worse, we're going to implant it on a chip. And then the result of that is this, where now you're juggling twice, twice the concerns. And this is precisely what social media has done to young people. You know, even just looking at it, it's just confusing and overwhelming, even emotionally, just a the whole seat like the whole sequence i don't know if that was your intent but it's it's a good uh added bonus to emphasize your your point with this 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 part in particular yeah because um the because it really is what's going on it's really what's happening when it's it's hard enough being a young person and going through adolescence and puberty and all of that stuff and then adding on this whole layer of virtual relationships and likes and dislikes and trying to win approval of people that you've never seen before and you will never meet. But, but social media presents it like, like these people are, quote, your friends or your enemies or whatever. And, um, and so the, uh, the, the complexity of this, the, the, the way in which this adds um yeah like the uh the visualization here so now you're juggling maybe not twice as much but but you're adding complexity to your already overwhelmed emotional and mental center and and it really is that people have to try to juggle all this stuff and so on top of you have your life now you have to juggle this this virtual metaverse that they're talking about. And they really are talking about creating an alternate reality that, um, um, an alternate reality in which companies are going to sell you virtual products and services to use in that virtual reality, only you're not going to own them. You're just going to be renting them like a service. It'll be like, it'll be like, um, like in mobile games, the way mobile games have been monetized. And then, um, and so they're, they're really looking at uh, this type of thing um, for, uh, for the so-called metaverse. So you'll be able to, for example, you can never buy a Ferrari in this, in this life. It's too out of reach, right? For most people. But you can subscribe to a virtual Ferrari in the metaverse and drive around your virtual Ferrari and pull up to virtual parties in the metaverse in your virtual Ferrari. And this is, this is very much what they're thinking about, what companies are thinking about. So that they can, in the real world, reduce the footprint and the impact, the environmental impact of industrialization and instead create this 
virtual metaverse where they can produce and manufacture and sell all they want with minimal or no environmental impact. Oh, that's where you go. To, that's where you go to indulge in your vanity, I suppose. If you're gonna uh, rent a Ferrari and drive around in that. Oh, and the added bonus is is when you're driving 300 kilometers an hour and you hit a wall, you 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 know you you don't get the consequence of your vanity. So you exactly. can just keep doing that over and over again. Exactly, a consequence-free environment. And and uh, but but look, this is not far-fetched. There are already people that spend real money on cosmetics in video games so there are games that you can play for free and those games are monetized by selling you cosmetic upgrades to your character so do you want your character to look cool in the game well then you buy this cosmetic or you buy this skin they're called skins and and uh and and other paraphernalia that you can add on to your character and so your character looks really foreboding and formidable and cool, right? Now you've got a cool character in the game. And now other people can look at you. Wow, he must be, you know, a real, like, you know, whatever. No, I, I, I play one of these games occasionally with friends, Fort, Fortnite. And right. yeah, it's very, all that side of it is very alluring. It's, yeah, it's very alluring. This is the new monetization model moving forward for games and it comes from the uh the mobile space and uh where where they're training an entire generation of young people to expect to get games for free and then you you hook them on the game for free and then you entice them with all of these upgrades all of these cosmetics all of these skins all of these 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 add-ons and and um in the same way that an automobile manufacturer barely makes any money at all on the base model, they might they might be breaking even. There might be like a little bit of margin in there, but just a tiniest little bit of margin on the base model. But what's the first thing they do, right? They start upselling you. They start upselling you on the extended warranty. They start upselling you on this feature, that feature. Oh, do you want a sunroof? Oh, do you want air conditioning? You want heated seats, heated uh, steering wheel? Do you want the, yo, oh, this only comes with a seven inch screen. Do you want the 12 inch infotainment screen? And it goes on and on and on. And, and, and you just start adding on the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in upgrades. But then they say, well, listen, you've, you've added up like $3,500, $4,500 worth of upgrades. You know that there's the next model up includes all of these upgrades and it has a bunch of other stuff too and it's only three thousand dollars more or the top of the line one has all this plus even more and it's only forty five hundred dollars more so for the for the same amount of money that you're getting these upgrades you could be getting into the top of the line model you know what i mean like the, you know these it's called upselling it's the oldest trick in the book and it's so much easier to do in a virtual space in something that your the base model was given to you for free and the upgrades are costing you pennies right a dollar here a dollar there but it's never it never works like that it's always in game currency right which you have to buy with real money but you can't buy a dollar worth of in game currency you got to buy like 10,000 gems 
right? For $5.99 or whatever it is, or $4.99. So you don't really know how much those gems are worth in terms of real money. But the minimum purchase is $5. And now you have 10,000 gems. So now you have this in-game currency, which is not real money. So it doesn't feel like you're spending real money. And, the, and these games often give you a bunch of gems like this for free to get you going, to get you spending it in the shop. So then you run out of currency and you're like, oh, I have no gems left. Oh, that's such a cool upgrade. I want that upgrade, but I only have 450 gems, but that upgrade is a thousand gems. Okay, so let me go, let me go and buy uh, um, 600 and, uh, 650 what is it? 550 gems from um, from the from the store, so that I can buy that upgrade. And you discover you can't buy 550 gems. You can only buy 5,000 gems. That's the minimum. So now you you have to spend the 2.99 or 3.99 or 5.99 or whatever it is. And now you get your 5,000 gems. So you go and you get the upgrade that you want, but now you have these extra gems that you didn't that you don't need. So then what do you do? You start shopping to. To, to spend them because I've spent the money <laughs> on these gems. I might as well use them. So it's this vicious circle, but all of the items that you buy in the store, none of them, none of them go in nice, like nice uh, uh, intervals. There's, there's every time you want to buy something, it's, you, you, you never have enough gems. Like it, it, there's always a, there's so many different ways that they've, the algorithms, the computers that have designed all of this stuff, like the, the math, has has done it in such a way that they have all this information of play testing of how the people play and use the software. And then they reverse engineer that into the algorithms and into the pricing models of the in-game currency and the play patterns of people in order to get you to spend more money. And it's so easy. Do you know how many people have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on Candy Crush? Yeah, I know people that yeah spend a lot of money on skins, and you think why? <laughs> like it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's as you said, but it's the whole culture. Like I can even see from my casual play, it's the whole culture that they create. You know, they'll give. Oh, there's a Star Wars like Fortnite. Oh, there's Luke Skywalker and they see Star Wars skins, but we're only going to have them for three days, but then we'll re-release them a month later so you can get them for another three days. But they do things like that so that then you purchase them and then they'll have something completely different. Like, I, will, I, won't, play, I won't play the game probably for a couple of weeks, a month. I'll just occasionally play with friends, but then sometimes the whole game has changed. All the skin, everything's changed within a couple of weeks like a lot of the in in features because they're always changing things to attract and get people to buy new skins and and <clears throat> new add-ons and whatever else they're trying to sell, sell you. Um let me um let me take take a pause here because Azazel's online. He's not on the chat but he's 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 left some uh comments here. I do want to get to him. I don't want to I don't want people to think that well, I'm ignoring anybody. Uh the background music overtook some of the focus to the message. Although the music was as runny as the rational mind. Uh, I did like that. It sounded like a 1930s radio show, though. And he says it's just a, it's just a simple opinion. Um, Azazel, uh, the music was all Beethoven. So um, 
if you didn't like it then or i was it overpowering was it was it like you couldn't hear the voiceover um and he also has a comment here uh the metaverse will make us able to move in the 3d world as well just make it a part of the game just connect its contents to google maps google maps will be serving enhanced functions in the future so um so there's there's two different levels um i don't know if azazel is referring to augmented reality where where you're going to be able to wear glasses that have like a heads up display that can superimpose onto the real 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 world like digital information but then there's the virtual reality metaverse where the metaverse replaces the real world the real world and you're 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 in a chair or you're in a you're in a virtual reality simulator um at home and uh and then you're 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 traveling the world but you're you're doing it virtually right because airlines lose money and because they don't want to sp so-called spread covid and monkeypox and all that nonsense so this way they figure the uh the rich and well to do can jet set around the world in their private jets and have their exclusive club right their exclusive destinations everything else everybody else can be living essentially uh, uh ready player one Benjamin says uh, he should watch the first video to understand. If not, he won't understand it. We don't know who you're referring to and what video you're referring to because um, as far as we know, Blake watched the whole thing, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So sorry, Benjamin. We don't know who you're referring to there. Um, and he said the piano was cool. Uh, I'm assuming you mean the music? <laughs> the, the piano music? Yeah, we've... Yeah, I think that's what it means. Um, with yeah. what Azazel was saying, there was parts where the music did overtake a little. I think it was, for me, it was probably about 15 minutes to 20 minutes in. There was just certain sections, but maybe not get rid of the music, but maybe just turn down the volume of the music a bit in the video. It might be the, the uh, I don't know, this is more of a technical thing. You know what? The problem is my choice of the Beethoven. Music. It's a good choice. Don't get me wrong. I liked the music. It was just when there yeah. was a lot of things going on, sometimes the music was a bit overwhelming. Okay. Um, yeah. the, 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 for me, though, it's the, the challenge is working with Beethoven as a background track because Beethoven's music is like that. It's, if I lower down the volume too much, then you can't hear most of it. Because uh. it's really, really quiet. And then all of a sudden it's ba 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 And then it goes quiet again. So um, all I can do is go in manually and change the levels. And every time the music gets louder, I got to go in and manually lower the volume during that section while the music is louder. There's no way, or there might be a way for me to do it where the software does it automatically. It's called um, normalizing the gain or something like that. But I don't know how to do that with the software. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not a technical wizard when it comes to a premier pro or any of this stuff frankly i i'm really not proficient at doing this stuff i muddle through this stuff to the best of my ability um but so there may be a way for me to normalize that volume i know i can do it manually but it'll take forever and i just didn't have the time to do it uh in in preparation for in time for today um there's actually a lot that's wrong with the voiceover there's actually distortion. 
here and there. Um, it's not really loud enough. I recorded it like early, early in the morning. So there wouldn't be like, uh, bleeding noises. Um, but because of that, it's probably a little quiet, but there's distortion in there because I think I used the wrong bit rate. Uh, this is some of the technical stuff. So, um, so really everything that you saw today, you might think of it as kind of like a draft version or a, or a first kick at the can. Uh, it's, you guys are basically like my focus group, if you will. Um, it's not the final version. I've been sharing it around because I've been, I've been so uh, eager to be able to share it with people. But I also think that it's too long. Um, oh, That's uh, a hot... Awaken, Awaken Reflection says, use Audacity. Look, I have, I have Adobe Audition. I have Adobe Creative Suite. Right. So I have Premiere Pro. I have like I have the Adobe Creative Suite and it has Audition. Audition has everything that Audacity has and more. It's not it's the issue is. In. The issue is um, I did not filter the music through Audition first. Right. Like to, in order if I don't know what you're referring to Audacity for, is it for the voiceover or for the music or what? But because I'm working with Premiere Pro, I, I kind of need to keep everything in the Adobe family if I want to be able to switch back and forth. Um, I have used Audacity before, and, um, and it's fine for recording voiceovers. My first uh, YouTube videos I did with Audacity. But when I started getting into more elaborate stuff <clears throat> and needing to do the editing and stuff, I haven't really found a good substitute for Premiere Pro. They say that... Uh, they say that um, uh, Blender has a good um, has a good video editing component, but but I've used Blender and and I've you know and and yeah, Audacity is yeah it's pretty straightforward and fine. But then you know what? So is Audition. Like I don't have a problem with the Audition part. <clears throat> I think it was just a problem with the I just chose the default recording and it's 32 bit float. And I don't think it was the right one because it got distorted here and there. So I have to go through and <clears throat> with, uh, the, with, Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, so, uh, so awaken reflections. Thanks for the uh, recommendation. I've used that. I've used audacity before. Um, but again, I, I, we're, I'm doing a video here. So it's not just, I, it's not the, the audio, I can't think of it as just the audio. I have to be able to work with the audio and the video simultaneously. And for that, I can't use Audacity. I just, it's, 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 it's too cumbersome. It's impossible to adjust the levels on a track in a different program and then, and then try to sync it up with the video. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, so I, I'm, I, so, so I know I appreciate the recommendation, but it's uh, I've got to stick with um, with uh, within the Adobe ecosystem until I find something better. And at the moment, like there are some people that have recommended some other stuff, and I've looked at it. And um, so far, at least I'm I haven't been convinced. But maybe it's because the other thing too is anytime you switch software products, you got to learn something entirely new. That's one of the reasons why I did this thing in PowerPoint. PowerPoint is what I know, 
And um, and although I know that um, After Effects, Adobe After Effects is much more powerful to be able to do a lot of this stuff, the fact of the matter is, is that it takes a lot longer to do simple things that it's much quicker to do in PowerPoint. Some of the more elaborate things are easier to do in After Effects, but the basic stuff takes longer. And also the editing and the organization and everything else is, is so it's, it's always this give and take. It's always this balancing act that you, that you got to do when you're, when you're choosing your tools. So, um, Benjamin says, uh, oh, sorry, Blake, go ahead. You wanted to say something here. Oh, just about, you were talking about the length of, you were talking about the length of the video. Yeah. Um, look, I found the length was good, but I understand your point with the length. But one thing, mm -hmm. one comment is, I don't know how you're going to break, like, it's going to be a task to break it down because you've, like, as it is, you've got every point in and it's it's very good at the moment. Like the, the point, you know, you know what I mean? And I'd even say there are parts that I can see why they're done quick to get the information in. And like, uh, yeah, I, I don't, um, <clears throat> I feel a bit sorry for you, the task you're going to have to do to try and condense it because it's going to be a bit of a tough one. Um, I have a version of the script that's four pages now. And it, now it's obviously it is, uh, very different from, from what you guys, no, I shouldn't say very different. It's condensed is the right, the script with what you guys saw is roughly nine pages or yeah, nine pages. That's what you guys saw there. So I have a version that's four pages now. And so for example, we can, I save a lot by basically taking out. Well, not really. I'm actually, I have it in very rudiment. I've like just, super concentrating, condensing things and saying things much more succinctly. And uh, so four pages is roughly five minutes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, a page and a half is five minutes. So three pages is 10 minutes. So four pages is somewhere between 10 and 10 and 15 minutes. So it's, so it's below 15 minutes. That's I've got it to that length right now. That's not bad, but I would like, I, I would like to go through the script again and again and again, and just strip it down and simplify it, simplify it, simplify it, simplify it, speed up all the animations and see if I can get it down to three pages, which is 10 minutes. If I can do that, then, um, then, uh, that's, then I'm away, right? I can't get it down to yeah. five minutes. I know that it would be, it's just impossible. Uh, but, uh, but three pages is, I mean, I, I'm at four pages, right? So 
if I go through it and just strip away all the, uh, like, just make it really, really, really. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But that's really the version you should, you should give it. that I'd like to be able to share on social media and other places where, where it's basically the title will be, you know, the human condition and the meaning of life in under 10 minutes. Like that's, that's catchy and that's memorable and that's meaningful. And it's also, people might look at that and say, in under 10 minutes, huh? Okay, I'll give it a shot. Right. But 36 minutes is a big ask. Now, I broke it into those four parts, right? So I can save it as four separate videos. So part one, part two, three, four. And then that makes it a little bit more palatable because people can watch it in chunks. Um, and yeah, that's Benjamin uh, mentions that here. Um, and that's the reason why, you know, we did that obviously is so that, so that we can save it as like that on YouTube. And the first part is six minutes. So if somebody makes a six minute investment and they get hooked on, on the concepts and they want to, they want to learn more, then they'll go into the next part, which is a little bit longer, which is nine minutes. And then the next part is a little bit longer. It's like 12 minutes. And so, and then the final part is short again. So, but again, this is, uh, really for me, it was, uh, I just, I just needed to feel like I had gotten to, I, I needed to reach a milestone where I was like, okay, I've got it. It's done. It's like, I've got a version of it now. And because it's so much it's so much different and easier to start working with a lump of clay that's on the wheel, right? Molding and shaping something that you already have than it is, like, for example, being able to get feedback, for example. Like, I've, 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 I've shown you guys bits and pieces here and there, but it's not the same as actually seeing it presented right? Like with music. So now I know I've got feedback about the music. Maybe I've got to choose different tracks or I've got to go and I've got to, I've got to do this, this volume normalization stuff because Beethoven really is, I mean, it's fantastic. That's why I chose it. And a lot of the music it's, it actually was serendipitous because I didn't really choose the music. The music chose me. And, and as I was putting the music into the video now not always but sometimes the music and the crescendos of the music just perfectly aligned with what was taking place on screen and and sometimes when it really mattered everything aligned perfectly and so it was like it really made my life easier by letting the music jump out at me instead of me trying to you know pick and choose like I didn't choose the most well-known Beethoven tracks, for example, right? Benjamin here says, I found Canva Pro is very good for video editing. It's only uh, 17 bucks Canadian per month. And I found it very versatile and easy to use. Um, 
I'm not sure how much I'm paying for Adobe Creative Suite, but I get the whole Creative Suite for what I'm paying, and it's it's in my budget. So um, that's that's the big challenge that I have with looking at all of these different options is that right occasionally I need Photoshop, occasionally I need Illustrator, occasionally I need, and then sometimes it's good to be able to do things in um after effects so and i've so that's my real issue is uh is like looking for an alternative it's like yeah it might be really good but is it better is it better that's the question than what i'm already using and so far i've yet to see anything better that's comprehensive that's the kind of problem with it's the same thing with microsoft like people have say oh you should use open office no i can't use open office open office is garbage it's it's it does it it's not powerful enough it does not have the features that a power user of word or powerpoint requires it doesn't it simply doesn't so for the average person who you know who writes letters and stuff yeah it's fine or like the st a student writing essays or whatever, or a, or a struggling artist writing a screenplay. Open Office is fine, but it's not fine for someone like me and the stuff that I do. It's simply not because I go to I'm 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 sitting there in Open Office looking for what I consider to be a very basic feature, and it's not there. It's hard to beat Word. Like uh, the only one I found that was close was LibreOffice, which is which is like a ubuntu based it's a, a linux based one but even that no nah, it's nowhere as you said it's they just don't have the power uh, they just don't have the power they don't have the features now don't get me wrong if i had an ability to be hired by microsoft to fix office and fix powerpoint i could make powerpoint infinitely better than what it is infinitely better because there's so many things that are seems like that seem like just oversights. You know, like like so such obvious things that are missing from that software. But there's nothing better than PowerPoint. There's no alternative to PowerPoint on PC. I've looked, there's none. People say there is, there's this, there's that, and the other. No, there isn't. There isn't because there, some people have this feature over here. Some people have that feature over there. And yes, when you're working with a Microsoft product, you have to deal with all that garbage, all that bullshit, that Microsoft BS that you have to deal with when you're working with a Microsoft product. But nobody has done, nobody has made something better. And nobody has made anything more comprehensive. That's not to say that, you know, Word and PowerPoint are the be-all and the end-all and the greatest things ever. No, they're flawed in so many different ways. And frankly, they haven't really innovated all that much in the past 15 years. Not that I can tell. Like, it's like some of the animations and stuff in PowerPoint are the same as what they were like 10 years ago. And that's the problem when someone does have a kind of like stranglehold on the market 
they don't they don't they don't have an impetus to improve the product anymore why we're already the market leader why there's no competition why should we innovate why should we improve our product there's no competition the alternative would be you know like partnering with a uh, w- with some like billionaire somewhere and and making an office suite that would just blow Microsoft Office out of the water because it can't, it could be done but it would require an incredible investment of resources and a real kick-ass team of programmers but it could be done under the right leadership and for that you would need um, see the thing about PowerPoint is that while they were innovating it while they were developing it there were there was some serious competition because remember word, stole the uh, the uh, the number one position away from WordPerfect. If you remember that, Blake, I don't know if you remember this. This is going way, way back into the 90s. I remember when WordPerfect was around. So I was a kid, but I do, yeah. And yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> they... <laughs> yeah, actually, you have to go back to the 80s to for when WordPerfect was king, DOS was the dominant operating system and uh, people had pcs and xt clones and stuff and that's when wordperfect was was dominant word didn't didn't exist word only came into being shortly after windows and word only really came into its own um in windows xp the first version of windows sorry isn't that gates's whole career is he's just He's just like people remember when I was younger, people used to say, Oh, Gates is a genius, but it's like, then you actually look into him and it's like, well, no, he's just a very good businessman because everything effectively he either purchased or half pie stole at, at, at the beginning, or he'd use others, others like Wozniak, like uh, Steve Wozniak. And yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say he's like an outright genius, like some, some of no. the other, He's a, he's not a genius. He's a, uh, he's a, certainly nowadays, in the same way that uh, very often these uh, like Bond villains and like these so-called genius villains in movies do really dumb things. It's like, like Dr. Evil, right? In Austin Powers. That's what, that's what the, the, that's what Austin Powers was making fun of, right? The fact that these supervillains, uh, these so-called geniuses, they're actually really dumb. They're not creative. But some of them are diabolical and Machiavellian. They're Machiavellian. So Bill Gates is Machiavellian. And if you read Machiavelli, The Prince, you discover there's there's a kind of a diabolical genius that exists but but the person is still really dumb they're not creative it's like so that like a diabolical genius can't be creative it's it's a very uh, it's a very interesting thing but they're a genius in their own right but they're a genius at being diabolical. 
So uh, uh, an excellent example of this is Ramses Bolton in Game of Thrones. He's very smart. He's very clever. He's got all these uh, these tactics and all of these tricks and all of this stuff. And, and he's very sure of himself, right? He's this huge ego. But he doesn't, in the end, he doesn't win the day. So for all of his cleverness and all of his diabolical genius and all of his everything, at the end of the day, um, he, he doesn't win the day. Um, Benjamin says, I think you can try the free version of Canva and it is, to my opinion, is comprehensive because it designed for social media creators. Okay, I'll give it a try, Benjamin. I'll, I'll, I'll try the free version and I'll get back to you. I'll see how it goes. Uh, Nick says, Klaus Schwab, yes, the World Economic Forum, is the real-life Dr. Evil. And he also looks like him. Yeah, he does a little bit. Um, <clears throat> the thing about... Um, the thing about... Uh, we recently ran into a video... Um, about billionaires and how the billionaires are are trying to what's the right expression here um they're trying how they're what they're doing to try to protect their interests in the face of uh impending destruction if that's the right if that's the right expression. Is that like the stuff where they're talking about how they're buying all the islands and building the bunkers and that that's that sort of stuff? Partly that, yeah. So it's 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 related to that. <clears throat> this is the video here. This is the title, How Billionaires Are Prepping for Doomsday. It's uh, part of Chris Williams' channel, or he has a channel, he calls it uh, Modern Wisdom or something like that. So he has this interview with, um, with Douglas Rushkoff, who's a futurist and a writer, and, and he's often hired as a consultant for these billionaires. Um, I can't play you any of the video because I'll get a copyright strike, but what I can do is share the link to the video and it's it's there on the screen and it's in the uh it's in the chat it's interesting you mentioned the fit the futurists because some of them some of them are very interesting some of the things that they uh they come out with some are downright utopian others are more realistic but uh yeah so this fellow uh, falls into the, I think, the more realistic category. And he talks about how he, he shares a lot of interesting little tidbits of information there, like how there are companies that are converting old missile silos and bunkers in Eastern Europe into luxury residence complete with pools and bars and all like, but complete luxury 
residence for, of course, for the elite, right? And whenever he he's asked to speak or to to groups of these billionaires and to comment on their uh, their ideas and their plans for prepping for doomsday, he likes to point out to them, saying, "You know, that's all fine and dandy. You, you know, you've got you've got this bunker, this underground bunker, and you've got like this this swimming pool and all these other things. But but how the hell? It's like." What happens when the when the pump breaks down? Like he really he really feels like a lot a lot of these billionaires they just they haven't thought things through. And the whole idea that they would be safe and secure from quote the rest of us that anything that they build that's attached to land it's going to be overrun. Like they can't, and then, but he talks about, he talks about how there are billionaires that have like U.S. Navy SEALs on call 24 hours a day with a chopper standing by in the event of an an emergency, they can, they can be on their property in like in less than 90 minutes or in less than 60 minutes and stuff. And it's like the lengths that these people are going to try to... that shouldn't even be legal. Like I know why it's, you know, sleight of hand, whatever. But that, you know, you're talking, you're, you're talking about military. It shouldn't be, but the military are there to serve the people. But no, no, I should have apparently said, not. I, I should have said no. former Navy SEALs. Oh, sorry. Yep. I shouldn't I have said Navy mean. SEALs. I should have said former Navy SEALs. But there's they're, they're Navy SEALs. But while they're not on active duty. Okay, they're subcontracted because you know most of the most of the uh, the high end elite military in the world today are now subcontractors. They're they're free agents. They're not paid by the U.S. government anymore. They work for a company. They work for a a, a subcontractor that gets paid by the What's U.S. It government. It? It's it was Blackwater. It's changed its name. That's one of them. It's changed its name like ten times or something. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that type of thing. They're basically mercenaries. And you know what? This is a long standing standing tradition. Goes all the way back to the Napoleonic Wars, where um where on the high on the on the ocean you had what were called the privateers, which were essentially the um legalized uh, piracy under Napoleon. They called them privateers, but they were pirates. But they were pirates that were hired by napoleon to do their dirty work which was sink british ships or capture british ships well that that's why the spanish you know um queen elizabeth that's why the spanish one of the reasons why the spanish hated her uh, hated england and and queen elizabeth so much because she just allowed privateers free reign so <clears throat> so of course the english didn't have access to the treasure ships like the spanish did but by allowing the privateers they would go and raid the treasure ships as they were coming over from the New World, and then England would get a get a nice little share of the uh, the gold, all the gold that was being explored, you know, and all the other riches that were being um, ripped off uh, the uh, native peoples or whatever else they were doing over there. And um, and this was uh, the pirates were the remnants of the Knights Templar, 
And that's why they flew the Johnny Roger, which was a, which is a Masonic symbol. The Jolly Roger, sorry. The Jolly Roger, you know, the skull and bones? Yep. That's, that's a Masonic symbol because the Masons are the descendants of the Knights Templar. And so when Sir Francis Bacon got the ear of Elizabeth and the pirate piracy was outlawed, officially outlawed, but when you rebrand them as privateers and now they work for the British crown, right? One person's pirate yeah. is another person's privateer. So like you just said, like Blackwater changing his name, changing its name the same thing but the point is it doesn't matter blackwater or no blackwater the thing is is that the people who work for blackwater on the ground they were trained by the u.s military they're they're you they're navy seals now but when we say that they weren't trained by the u.s military they were trained by blackwater consultants who were so in other words it's this at some point at some point, the top U.S. Uh, Navy SEALs, when they retire from active duty, they either become, uh, they, uh, they get promoted and they become trainers. So they train the next generation of Navy SEALs because they have the experience, they have the, the, uh, the field experience. Or they retire and get hired by Blackwater and then the government hires Blackwater consultants to come and train the next generation of, of, of Navy SEALs. Well, because remember, that... that's, what that's what Blackwater was doing in Iraq, was training the Iraqi military. And that's what they were doing in Afghanistan, training the Afghanistan military. Well, that's the con, isn't it? They get, they get these young people who are all, let's say they have, some of them, a lot of them would have ideals and they would join the military for that purpose to serve their country at, you know, and not very, very good money. Cause it's, it's not, but then as they go along, they get indoctrinated, they get indoctrinated and they're being trained by people on six figures. And then they end up in, in the same way and probably not even uh, <clears throat> their ideas and everything completely different 10 years later than they were before. Well, it's actually uh, gets more insidious than that when you realize that for the past 10 years, 15 years, um, local uh, police forces, local law, uh, law enforcement in the United States and probably elsewhere in the world, but particularly in the United States, they have been uh, purchasing um, surplus military equipment that was that was being retired uh from u.s military service because of course the u.s military always gets the shiniest best equipment but still uh anti-riot um anti-insurgency uh, weaponries and weapon systems so armored cars this type of thing have been trickling down into local law enforcement for over a decade now and the local law enforcement has been being trained by Blackwater and these other military consultants who all have field experience 
and they all cut their teeth in places like Afghanistan and Iraq in, and they specialize, they specialize in subduing large groups, uh, rioters, anti-riot tactics, but also anti-insurgency tactics. So dealing with IEDs, roadside bombs, suicide bombers, snipers, um, and all of this type of stuff, because that's the experience that they got working in the, um, uh, in the theaters of Iraq and Afghanistan. So with all of that hands-on experience, plus the development of weapon systems that specialize in military operations in uh, that require counterinsurgency measures. Yeah, because I, I remember what you took. Yeah, I remember because some of the some of the weapons they used in Iraq and Afghanistan, and that the I remember what the police have been purchasing are like those those sound wave weapons or whatever they've got that make basically it's like a box it's like a box they can take around and a whole a whole block or suburb if they unleash one of these things it makes everyone vomit and whatever they've got things like that that they've been selling to the police as well that they were using over in iraq and afghanistan so we're talking some pretty brutal stuff that they can unleash on the populace if they if if they if they want to subdue people um i can't remember the name of the documentary uh i can't remember the name of the documentary but the the weapon systems and the weaponry is one thing but the attitude that the mental acuity the 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 The, the mental conditioning, the brainwashing, really, that takes place um, in in some of these training sessions, like it's unbelievable, and it's it's like the closest thing that that comes to mind when in describing it is is how Conan the Barbarian was trained to be a pit fighter. And then when they asked him, they, after, you know, at the end of his training, at his graduation, they asked him, Conan, what is best in life? Well, uh, sorry, what is best in life? And he says, you know, to, to, uh, uh, to crush your enemies, to see them scatter before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. Right, and he says it like this robotic drone, like it's been hammered into his head. And and I'm serious. That's Conan's Conan the Barbarian's uh, motto that he was conditioned and programmed of what is best in life to crush your enemies and see them scatter before you and hear the lamentations of their women. That's nothing. That's tame, completely tame compared to what is being drilled into the heads of local law enforcement 
by these uh, military contractors. It's uh, it's you would you would, it's surreal, if to, to, to sit in on one of these sessions, you would be like. It would be surreal. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even imagine that in a movie, in a Bond movie with a Bond villain talking that way. Let alone, like it's just. I mean, you know what? Stanley Kubrick uh, did a pretty good job showing it in Full Metal Jacket. You know, during the training of the Marines there. But um, but it's gotten like it's it's gotten more sophisticated than that. And more psychologically alluring. And uh, I wish I could remember the name of the documentary that I could uh, share with you uh, about this. But it's really disturbing to sit in and witness uh, how, like, again, I don't even want to repeat. Uh, I, I, I don't even want to repeat what what what's being said there so let's just say that they are appealing to the most primal savage instincts the most primal savage animal instincts that uh that we have and exploiting them and using them in to fashion uh robot like uh, uh, weapons of war out of so-called human beings. And I mean, it's, and then people can say, oh, that's probably, that's probably nothing compared to, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, MK ultra and these other government programs that were turning, you know, people into sleeper agents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's probably, you know, you know, but it's all part and parcel. Cause all that, all that stuff that was done in the seventies, it's all been applied elsewhere now and evolve as as you say it's all it's all evolved into into many different things but you know something something like mk ultra and a lot of those programs were covert what's happening nowadays is overt yeah it's overt they don't care who knows they don't they don't they're not even trying to hide it i mean they embed all that sort of stuff's embedded clearly in all the holly in most of the hollywood stuff and they yeah you're right and they they literally don't care if you if you know about it yeah to the to the point where they let somebody make a documentary film about it and they showed it on pbs in here in america that's that's the public broadcasting service in america yeah so it's um it's it's like they don't even care anymore it's like what are you gonna do what are they gonna do and in fact when i saw it i was like why is this on pbs and the reason why it was on pbs is because they want people to know don't riot don't get out of hand because your local law enforcement agencies are being trained on how to deal with you and they have they have riot gear and they have these weapon systems developed in Iraq and Afghanistan in those theaters and they all have them now so stay in line so i think the whole the whole reason why they let somebody make a documentary and release it 
I think it was all planned. They want people to know. They want people to know. Because fear, and you're, as we know, is a very powerful yeah. way to keep people in line. But but I can also tell you that I know the difference between a produced, something that's produced, something that's fake, and something that's real. And these were these are real seminars. These are real weapon systems. These are real things that are taking place. This is not just a some kind of false flag type of thing that they're creating and putting out there to, to strike fear into people's minds. No, this is actually happening and they want people to know it. It's like uh, if you've ever seen uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove um, and, uh, <laughs> and Dr. Strangelove uh, starts uh, uh, ragging on the, the uh, Soviet uh, ambassador saying but the whole purpose of a doomsday weapon is 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 for people to know you have it otherwise what's the point <laughs> right it's like it's very much that why bother training all of your your uh your officers and all of your local police forces and, and law enforcement in anti-insurgency what's the point of spending all that money and effort in doing that unless you can tell the people and show the people what's waiting for them if they riot what's waiting for them if they up if they start an uprising what they're going to be up against it's just like dr strangelove telling the soviet minister you built the doomsday weapon and you didn't tell us you had it what's the point <laughs> how could we know that you you know what it's it's a it's it, 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 it's not a deterrent then right if you keep it secret it's not a deterrent So, but it has to be credible. It has to be a cre to be a deterrent. It has to be a credible threat. And to be a credible threat, it, it's like it's like you couldn't have our legal system. The law enforcement wouldn't work if we didn't actually have prisons to send people to. Right? You, if you you if you have the threat of incarceration. It's one of the things that keeps you in line, keeps you in check, so you don't break the laws. If, if the prisons were a joke, then, then incarceration wouldn't be a credible deterrent. When you're talking with the when we're talking about the soldiers, so <clears throat> that's that's one part of like um, Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's work is like his description of what the orc, like what he's talking about with the orcs. It's basically what we're talking about is what is what Tolkien's talking about the corruption, the corruption of humans and el elves, let's say, into lesser into lesser people that go and do this, go and do the dirty work and do all this horrible stuff. That's that's on the surface level of Tolkien, yes. Yeah. But that's um, but the corruption is all internal. It's as Tolkien is all mythology is psychological. So when we're talking about you know orcs and you know elves, because you know elves are elves have um, 
are immortal. So they're fallen angels in that sense, right? Orcs are. If they're corrupted elves and they're fallen angels. So there's a lot, there's a, there's so much going on in Tolkien uh, as high mythology that is, uh, that goes far beyond what, you know, we can understand in simple terms of someone who, you know, falls into corruption, like, like a corrupt politician, for example. And frankly, uh, people try to argue that most politicians, most people who go into public service are good people. It's the reverse. It's the reverse, is that most people that go into public service as politicians are inherently corrupt because they want power to be able to change things and control. Oh, you're, you're right. Nowadays, that's that's true. It might, say, have been, it might have been different in yeah. the past, but... They're, they were always still there, but let's just say now it's overwhelming, whereas before it might have been more 50-50 but you could never really know because, you know, you do have individuals that come through that do good things, but now you don't see that very often. Not, not like you used to. Well, but that's because the system weeds out those who are earnest in order to get elected. You have to, you have to be, you have to stoop to such lows. You have to sell your soul to the financiers and everything, just, just to be able to have the wherewithal to get elected. So you essentially, in one way, shape, or form, you have to sell your soul along the way just to get elected nowadays, nowadays. In the, again, in the past, but even look, you know, people like to talk about John F. Kennedy, right? And Bobby as some kind of, you know, whatever they like, Put, put them up on a pedestal and everything else. Um, Kennedy was, the Kennedys got into politics and were put there by the mafia. Well, no, you're, you're right. And a lot of people don't, you're, you're totally right. Because when Kennedy got elected in 60, that was, and he defeated Nixon, that was Nixon's biggest gripe. And they actually, a few years later, they uncovered all these voter irregularities. I think it was Texas. Kennedy won, te uh, or it might have been Louisiana. There was a couple of, there was one or two states that he won that he actually shouldn't have won because there was literally dead people voted. Like, like the, they went around to tombstones and they were registered as voters and they had voted even though they'd been, de they'd been in the ground for 10 years. So, so... You, uh, but Kennedy, to me, is like an example of someone who they rebelled. So he got he got in through through a few devious means, let's say, but then maybe had an epiphany or was overwhelmed with the situation and decided to rebel against it. Many many Trumps, in many ways, Trumps Trumps kind of the same thing. He's gotten in. He got in under certain pretexts, and then he's got in and realized that it's completely different to what he expected. Well, um, if you watch the film The Irishman, Scorsese's oh, yeah. uh, film on Netflix, The Irishman, it was it's suggested in that film that was the mob who uh, assassinated Kennedy. But um, if you watch a documentary called Four Presidents, 
um, the only four presidents who were ever assassinated successfully, they were all assassinated under the same, under similar circumstances with a lone gunman, you know, a loser, a loner, a nobody, right? A lone gunman, this and that. But all of them, every single one, the one thing that they had in common was they were they wanted to take uh, the United States off of the Federal Reserve System. So, is that a coincidence that the only four presidents who were ever assassinated all publicly stated their intention to get the international to kick the international bankers out of the U.S. government, out of out of the out of the uh, to get them out of well, American you're, you're, the American system? Well, you're right because like, I know with Link. I know with Lincoln, he did the big sin of creating the the not now the greenback now is corrupted, but back then when they created the when his government created the greenback, it was actual it was in service of the nation, and it was it was not meant to be because the whole point was Lincoln and his government were meant to go to Wall Street, and they went to Wall Street to get loans, and they were told, oh well, we're going to give you loans of twenty one percent. So then Lincoln's Treasury Secretary come up with the whole greenback uh, with the US dollar as a way of financing the war effort without being indebted to without uh, the international financiers. And I think you're right, Lincoln was going to go further with that and with the na- he was going to finance the national railroads and everything off that same system. And that's mm-hmm. where that's why he had to be gone because they didn't want that in national hands. They wanted the railways in private hands. Oh, look at this. If, if I'm not mistaken, this is the documentary that I'm speaking about. Yeah, it's right here. Um, it's, so you can watch it free on YouTube. It's called Four Presidents Oval Office Conspiracies. Very interesting. It runs through all of the assassinations of all the U.S. presidents, and it documents all the similarities between them all. And uh, it's it's would it would be very, very so you know how in the um, when uh, when uh, Oliver Stone did um, JFK, yep, and remember they were describing the location of the motorcade and the the position where the car was when Kennedy was shot, and how the car had to come up. Uh, a certain road and Lee Harvey Oswald would have had a much better shot and a front shot. But he waited until the motorcade made its turn and was driving away a much harder shot from the rear. And, you know, the car is actually speeding away now. But 
but that location puts the car in a triangulated in what they call a turkey shoot in a triangulation where it, it's in the sites of the uh, book repository but also the grassy knoll but also over here so three different teams three different shooters and nobody knows who the real shooter is right it's plausible deniability you have three three teams three shooters but it's because it's a it's a triangulation someone's going to hit kennedy but you don't know in the end who it is that gets the kill shot and um so this is how it is that you can have somebody writing a book and that the movie the irishman is based on that talks about the mob's reason and the mob and guys high ranking members of the mob who basically admit to this guy that they were the ones who shot Kennedy. Well, that's because they had a team there, probably on the grassy knoll, who were sent there to, to kill Kennedy because there would have been a CIA uh, agent in the mafia because uh, the uh, U.S. intelligence has been working with organized crime for decades. U.S. intelligence would have been working with organ would have been working with organized crime at that time already, but Bobby and JFK wouldn't have known this. They wouldn't have known this. JFK and Bobby only got the money from the mob to get elected, and all the vote fixing and everything else that you described there was only happened because the CIA let it happen. None of these people, including Trump, none of these people get elected like Biden or anything. None of them really know all the machinations and forces that put them there. They don't. They're kept in the dark because they're useful idiots. I've known this going back to Reagan. God, we all knew this with Reagan. He was a puppet. He was an actor. He was a spokesman. That's what he did after he left Hollywood. He was a professional spokesperson. That's what that's what he did as a career before he became governor of California. Anybody that you see out front on camera, barring a few exceptions here and there, but certainly in politics and government, those people are all puppets. They're talking heads. They think that they're special and they think that they're important and they think that they were put there because they're special and important and they're smart because that's the perfect type of personality, the perfect type of ego you want because they make the perfect useful idiot because they're always going to believe that 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 they're the ones in charge. And if they believe that they're the ones in charge, they can sell that to the American people and to the world stage. And that's exactly when you're a mover and shaker, when you're the man behind the curtain, that's exactly what you want to do, right? You want, well, it, you want to convince people that the marionette is real. Well, isn't it funny to see, you see all these, you see all these actor puppet, like, 
like Biden, the head of the EU, all they all externalize onto onto Putin and Xi Jinping about how they're dictators and all this crap that they come up with. But really, they're just they're just externalizing onto those leaders because those leaders are actually they're actually in the West. You can't see anyone that isn't a puppet. Whereas those two, in particular, let's just say, especially Putin, I would say are not necessarily puppets. I'm not going to rule out, but they actually control things. They actually, they actually do things compared to in the West. It's all. Do you, do you understand where I'm coming from? It's. I know what you mean. I know what yeah, you mean. But that's it, it's different it's, sort of a leader. They're different sort of leaders. Look, we look, used to have them in the West, but we don't have them anymore. Okay, Putin. Putin is a special case because Putin was born and bred in the KGB. He was a secret agent. He was an agent of the KGB. So he he's already cut from a different cloth. But, uh, and the, the, the Chinese situation, but ultimately they all work for the same, ultimately they all work for the same group, the same uh, entity, which is the Black Lodge. So they're all puppets. Ultimately, they're all puppets. And this is the point of the video that we uh, premiered today. Is that even those people in power, all those people in power, whether they believe that they're the ones pulling the strings, moving and the, the mover and shaker, the fact of the matter is, look inside their psychology. And what do you find in their psychology? What's really the mover and shaker? It's their ego. But they don't have one ego. They have egos. And the, those egos are the Black Lodge. So it doesn't matter. Whatever you think is on the surface. This, the whole video explains this. We are divided and conquered as individuals. That dividing and conquering that takes place, what you see in the world, the divide and conquer you see in the world, is simply a projection in macrocosm of how the block the Black Lodge, the Black Lodge's modus operandi in the human psyche. The world cannot be any other way than how the human psychology is, because macrocosm must reflect the microcosm. There's no it, it cannot be any other way. So ultimately, we are all puppets, right? It's only a question of degree to how aware we are of that. Well, and that's what Pinocchio it, is about. Pinocchio is about that. We're all puppets, and we're all longing to become real boys, real human beings. That's what Pinocchio is about, which is one of the reasons why I needed to get this video done and out because... Uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio is coming out on Netflix in just about a week's time. Ten days, maybe. Ten days. Nine days from now. Well, the question is, do we become real boys or do we become donkeys? That's, that's the... That's and the... again, there you go. That's all in Pinocchio, right? Pleasure yep. Island. Yep, that's it. And these puppets, 
those puppets want to become donkeys. Because all of those puppets want to go to Pleasure Island. That's what they're doing now. When you watch this uh, this uh, documentary about the billionaires and their uh, and their bunkers and how they're prepping for doomsday, and their 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 visions of a utopian future, technology, transhumanist utopia, right? They're they're all thinking about Pleasure Island, and for them, the metaverse is creating a virtual Pleasure Island for all of the for all of the um, the the serfs. Right, all of us. So we put on of a, a, a headset, and maybe there are other devices we put on our hand, and maybe there are other devices we put on other body parts, or insert into other body parts. And now we can have a virtual metaverse pleasure island, and and it'll be like, you know, when we're not working, when we're not doing whatever we need to do to support their real pleasure islands then we come home into our little small little cubicle and we 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 put on our headset and we escape into the metaverse where where we're going to be big shots and big wigs and and like like ready player one or like the matrix or like whatever right so um it's it's i mean it is what it is Azazel says you can work within you can work within the confines of that. Uh, sorry, Azazel, be be more specific. Who who can work within the confines of that? We can work within the confines of that, or you can work, or we all can work, or what? Like, give us be more specific. Because that's not the future of this. Yes, all of us. Um, but well, I'm telling you, that's not the future of this humanity. Uh, we won't let it happen. It's not going to be. That's not going to happen. It can't. It can't. Because the answer is no. We can't work within the confines of that. We can't. Well, it's kind of like, like I remember. Where I was in Australia, we had a pretty harsh, our lockdown was very harsh during COVID. And even <coughs> even all of that, you did feel disconnected. Can you imagine how disconnected people are going to feel when they're just, it's, you know, let's say there's another lockdown and then the metaverse gets rolled out and then you're just in your little box the whole time. Over time, you do more and more feel more and more disconnected. And because we're not meant to, we're not meant to be our fundamental selves. We're not meant to be that way. We're not meant to be stuck in a box. And the thing though, the thing though, is that if you make, like Azazel is pointing out here, if you make the experience so um, enticing, and so vivid and so like and remember that 
there's a reason why in our video we included this last little comment uh, and we kind of just threw it in there almost like an afterthought okay but we visualize there right with this with with the the, the neuropharma the neuropharmacological uh, complex, industrial complex, right? Big pharma, okay? They are already pursuing FDA approval for psychedelics. So when you throw psychedelics into the mix and you create some kind of a virtual experience and then you you add mind-altering drugs into the equation this is the holy grail this is what azazel is talking about here it that's what they're trying to perfect what is the the formula that's going to finally put people in such a state that they will completely and totally and utterly lose all sense of themselves look and 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 the the visualizations that we chose for uh for the video right were this for a reason right i mean they're they're trying to get inside of our head why? Because they know that inside of our head, we already have that Game of Thrones going on in there. All they need to ex is exploit that. And how can they best exploit that? And really, the Black Lodge already has the best way to do it. It's called Klipoth. It's called psychological hell. It's where we go and we sleep and we dream. Right? And we don't know that we're dreaming. Right? We believe everything that goes on in our dreams. So, and people aren't waking up from their dreams and people are dreaming in the, if we're dreaming here and now we're dreaming. So if they can uh, um, perfect this formula and get people into that, state that dreaming state all the time or at least the vast majority of people in that dream state all the time i mean the black lodge already has us there for the most part it doesn't take much to push us over the edge But that's why I'm saying when 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 Azazel says you can work within the confines of that, I'm not sure I'm not sure if you can. It's hard enough already meditating and observing yourself, everything else. How are you going to observe yourself in the metaverse when you have a different body? Right? You're you're already in a virtual reality body. This physical body is not who you really are already. It's already hard enough to know yourself. What's going to happen when you take this self and you, you plunge it into a whole other virtual concocted 
Oh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is why, Azazel, you got to be more specific when, in your comments. When you say, you can work in the confines of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. you got to be more specific. But of course, they can work with that. It's their end game. It's what they want. Right? It's what they want. So in many ways, they try... <coughs> in many ways... Like you've got that, um, the pottery in the video, you had the pottery, uh, of the self and the meta mind on top, right? Yeah, yeah. In many ways, they're trying to put another head in between there. Yes. Well, actually, um, so you know, the Russian nesting dolls. Uh, yep, yep. Okay. So, yeah, they want to take it's, it's not that they want to put another head. No, they want to take the body, the bottom uh, part. Let me let me find the uh, the right slide here, or uh, the right. Um... Okay, let me let me throw that on the screen. Okay, so there it is, right? Yep. And um, and this is by the way, this is one of the first images that I uh, or that that we. Um, Well, that doesn't work. Okay, so let me let me go back a little bit. There we go. Okay, this is one of the first images that we found when we started out working on this, and it just we just found it right away and was said, "Holy, like there it is, right there." I mean, there it is, right there. Hume, manas, and being. So what they what they want to do is they want to take this part here. Okay, and they want to, um, this part, and they want to nest it inside a whole other uh, um, alter ego of this, if that makes any sense. And take it and, and, and then nest it inside an alter ego and then craft a whole metaverse for that alter ego to go play in. Normally, we call these video games. Okay, here's here's a here's the visualization of that. Right, you see these these people here. These are these are like what you're going to be able to look like, or or you know what I mean. Like they're just okay, artist conceptions or whatever. But you 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 get the idea. And then you see here, there's like this Gucci handbag or whatever, and. And uh, these are these are actual um, so these are your virtual avatars or whatever in this metaverse. So this is now how you are going to identify as in your in in the metaverse. So in the metaverse, um. The uh, in the metaverse, uh, we just lost our train of thought here. Um, right, so now, um, you have all this identity politics and people identifying as this and identifying as that. This is all part and, and creating all this controversy around you know giving hormone blockers to children and all this kind of stuff, and and like making gender like a choice and all of these things because. 
all this stuff will be brought to a head. And the answer will be, well, oh, here's an answer. Why don't you just go and go into the metaverse? In the metaverse, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be young, you can be old, you can be an animal. You can be part human, part robot. You can be a robot. You know that there's this whole cult thing called furries? Yeah. They self-identify as big, fluffy animals, stuffed animals and bears and things. And like, well, in the metaverse, you can be that. You can be whatever the hell you want to be in the metaverse. And you can meet up with other people that have the same fetishes and you do whatever you want to do, right? And if they make the the experience of that visceral enough, and whether it's a combination of a chip in the brain or a, a, a psychedelics or, or, you know, some some way that allows you to actually completely lose yourself in that alter ego and that alter un- uh, that alternate universe then um then this is where what benjamin is saying here uh why uh yuval harari says that humans are are hackable now yuval harari if i got this right benjamin he's one of the uh, the original not founders but one of the original programmers at the very outset of uh, Facebook. Um, and, um, and yeah, he was an investor as well. Like he had shares and, um, and he was the one together with the rest of them were, were designing the, the likes and stuff, all that to create those dopamine hits that get people hooked on social media. If we're right, if we're right about the name, cause you know, we're terrible with names, but, but that uh, Yuval Harari, that's, that's the name rings a bell anyway. That's what we think you're talking about. But but certainly he's right. Whoever he is, he's right. You can hack the human brain. I think it's is he also the one advising um Klaus Schwab? I or I could be thinking of someone else. It's well, I wouldn't surprise me. I think it's the same person. Wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Um Benjamin says, uh sounds like the metaverse could be the place being prepared for the people who don't pick light or dark who just stay like warm, lukewarm. Um, yeah, so I hear what you're saying there. And it's, the the, the way to think about it is, you know, the uh, uh, Pareto distribution, you know, the bell curve that uh, Jordan Peterson talks about it all the time. Um, <clears throat> in the tales like in the vast majority of people are under the under the bell part of the curve and then you get the you get the elite at the two at the two ends at the two tails and at one extreme you have the elite the useful idiots and the elite who are the physical embodiment of the black lodge and then at the other end of the 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 tail you have the White Lodge, the the physical embodiments of the White Lodge, the Bodhisattva, those who are active and consciously doing the work of the the, the Army of World Salvation. That's that's right. We're we're the the nemesis of the elite. So the one the one percent of the one percent, right? Who rule the world, and and when we talk about the the billionaires and the the elite and blah blah blah. So us ultra poor <laughs> the, at this end of the spectrum doing the work that we're doing here, 
we represent likewise a 1% of the 1% who are doing everybody else in the middle falls into and it falls under that bell curve of what Benjamin calls um lukewarm but we can also very easily describe as uh as this right they're 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 all just they're all they're, they're, here they are here they are there's a whole stadium full of them looking at that i also think they're all sitting on unicycles as well they're all unicyclists they're all unicyclists including the elite the elite are unicyclists too well no that that part was that was a really good point how you how you put that what did you say what in the video i think you said something that they're very good unicyclists or very advanced unicyclists it was okay, listen. something like that yeah so, no look we all admire we, we all admire unicyclists yep right we admire unicyclists it's not easy to be a unicyclist here it's this slide here it's this sequence yeah, it. right here that's it yep that's it yeah okay so and i say basically we're the human condition is we're juggling unicyclists and we're in this thing called the circus of life but the whole point of a circus is look at all the audience there right we admire unicyclists because we know how hard it is to unicycle and juggle at the same time. So, so that's why we idolize these people and we look up to these people. We say, these people are amazing. They must be incredible. Look, look how, look how tall their unicycle, how high their unicycle reaches and look how many balls or, or, or flaming sticks or swords or whatever it is that he's juggling. Look at all the shit that he's doing. And he's cracking jokes at the same time, or he's singing or he's doing something. Right. That's what these people do. That's what the rich and famous do. The unicycle. And whoa, and, the, and we all clap. And we, why? Because we're all unicyclists. We all know how hard it is. We all know how hard it is. So we see somebody on a three, four meter tall unicycle. And he's juggling six flaming torches. And we, wow. Oh, if only I could unicycle like that. If only I could learn to juggle like that. I'd be a billionaire too. Right? But that's the That's the irony of it. That's the irony of it. And as Azil says, ultra poor almost in jail humans. <laughs> Why are we almost in jail? I, I don't know. Where did you get that part from? <laughs> but as as a, we're not poor in the Pete, you're not poor in the mind. I'm not sure I'm that close to being put in jail. Am I? Or maybe I'm naive. Maybe I am being that. Maybe I am that close to being put in jail. I, I just don't know it. <laughs> maybe the maybe the the, the men in in in, um, in black coats. And the, uh, the 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 black um, the black uh, uh, um, uh, what are the uh, Chevy Suburbans, you know the black with the blacked out windows, you know the the Chevy Suburbans, the big SUVs, the black SUVs will be pulling up to the house, and the and the guys in black black suits will be coming for me. Um, well, men like men in black, they're going to come and give you erase your mind. So uh, Benjamin has shared a link here, 
and um, unfortunately, I can show the link, but I can't. I can't cut and paste it for some reason. So, and I don't feel like typing it out. But thanks for sharing the uh, the the link, Benjamin. So that's terrible. So, so you got can you guys cut and paste links out of uh, out of the chat? Because I can't do it. No, no, it's fine, Benjamin. Um, no, I I appreciate you sharing it. It's just that from my end, because I'm moderating the chat, I can't highlight and cut and paste links from the chat because. It's hard to explain. It's a technical thing. I'm asking you guys if you can cut and paste out of the chat because I can't. Um, so, uh, and I'm not going to sit here typing that 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 out right now. Um, if I really want to know uh, who, uh, what's his name? Yuval, Yuval Harari. Yeah, so he... He was the one I was thinking of. That he's like a he's an advisor to the WEF. But yeah, he's got he's got quite a few, um, let's say, transhumanist, satanic outlooks. With a few of the comments he's come up with in the past. Okay, he's not the guy that I was thinking of. So I was thinking of someone else. But uh, I also know of this fellow. So. Um, but that's not the guy that I was thinking of. So, but regardless, thanks for sharing the link, Benjamin. It's there on the screen. I can, I'll, I will check it out after we're done the live stream. Speaking of which, um, we will have to, um, probably bring this to an end fairly soon. Um, for other reasons that we have going on. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, providing the feedback that you did. So I know I've got some sound issues that I've got to look into. And um, also some of the things that I already knew, which was the length. Um, I don't think I'm going to take down... I'm not, I don't think I'm going to continue working on this on this uh, long version. I will, I will make a version that has... that's broken up into four parts. And I will lower the volume... In, in those versions, or I'll try to normalize the volume on that track so that the, when the, when the music gets too loud, that it doesn't get, that it doesn't overwhelm the, um, the voiceover. The other option is perhaps the easier option would be to increase the channel volume on the voiceover. That one, that might be another option that I'll look into, but there's some distortion already in the voiceover. So I don't know about that, but I think I would rather work on uh, making the shorter version that's snappier and more, you know, and more easy to share and on YouTube and elsewhere where I want to get these ideas out in front of uh, people. And um, it, because especially there are a bunch of different uh, YouTube videos and things that I want to leave it as a comment. Um, and leaving a half hour video is, is people aren't going to watch that. It's, it's just not realistic. So but I want to thank you for the feedback that you guys provided. And um, and I hope you found it 
um, a good first start, a good um, move in the right direction. And you know what? If you if you did like it, and you do think that uh, people in your circle would watch it, or if you do know somebody that you think needs to see it, then by all means, I you know I leave it to you. It's in your it's your choice, of course. But uh, if you did share it, that would be uh, that would be advantageous because I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's 36 minutes, but that's still, you know, like just a little bit longer than a half hour episode of a sitcom, right? Like a, like 32, like a half hour show on Netflix is 32 minutes. So it's not, it's not crazy long, right? It's not like my two and a half hour Star Wars video or anything. <laughs> so yeah. um, I still send that to people because that's, that's, that, that is a good one, but I'll, I know for my sake, I put the 36 minutes, I put that up there with, um, I'm trying to remember the name. Is it Sex, A gate, a Gateway to Eden? Uh, a oh, Gate yeah, to secret, Eden? Yeah, The Secret Gate to Eden, yeah. That's it, yeah. I put it, I, the th that 36 minutes, I put that up there with, um, with that one as something, a profound video that really makes you think. Well, a, I appreciate that. That's, a, that's high praise, actually. Um, uh, the sex video the is is an hour and fifteen minutes. So, but it flies by, really, because and once you get into it, it's just like you don't realize. And see, I don't, I can't. It's impossible to spend six months of your life working on a thirty-five minute video and have any semblance of objectivity about it. <laughs> right? It's, I can't look at it with your eyes. It's impossible, right? Because I've been looking at it for six months. <laughs> it should already be on Facebook, Azazel. It should already be because I scheduled a post. So it should already be on Atlas uh, information uh, page. And um, you know what? We made, we might as well... Uh, my so let's see atlas information and so we're live uh oh right now it's showing us like yeah there it is it's on facebook it's on atlas info yeah yeah two hours ago exactly two hours ago atlas another thing you've done with it that's really good is i think you might have said the last live stream or the one before that you were trying to <clears throat> make it as secular as possible so people can't detract with you know you know it's not not it's not gnostic it's not this it's not that and i think you really right. you have you have really achieved that it's 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 very succinct it's it's yeah it's very well put how you how you've done it there's not um, many hook. There's not many hooks there for people to try and break it up and put it into pigeonholes. Let's uh, you know, put it into. Oh, that's this. Let's just dismiss that. And that's why, really, uh, there's no mention even of God until part four, and it's very brief. It's very like it's there's. There's barely any mention of uh, 
because you're saying about you, you're saying about that we're talking about sex um the the other documentary the hour and 15 one i've sent mm -hmm. that to people who are mm -hmm. well versed on esoteric subjects and i sent the video and just because of the the title he didn't watch he wouldn't watch it because he thought immediately thought oh that's black tantra i don't want to and i said no <laughs> but you know what it, so you're totally right to do what you're doing because it's sometimes even people that have good intentions and they'll just they'll see something and they don't want to look at it like they'll just immediately make a judgment and don't want to watch it <laughs> it's it's funny yeah. how that works yeah because it's they they take it as an opportunity as um like you don't want to you don't want to give them a um the ego like said, a hook, a hook. Yeah. and yeah. an and easy out yeah right an easy out and just for the record right this is the first mention of the word god uh 29 minutes into a 36 minute video right so we've so we basically half hour six minutes from the end is the the first and only time we mentioned God, and it's only in the context of equating, you know, that that we we have to explain what theos means, and where where Theodore comes from. Theos means God. That's that's what it means. But then we have an opportunity to equate it here to the alm of life, and how the alm of life expressing itself on every aspect. And by this point, people should know what the alm of life is. They should have had enough exposure to it and have a recognition and understanding of it's these forces of evolution and devolution that the logos set this in motion. It's the alm of life. And then it's just, it's sharing an infinite expressions, infinite gifts. We call these God, right? This is what we call God. But God is enough of a, a generic term that you don't even have to be religious to recognize that God can be a stand-in for something, or the word can be a stand-in for something, for the universe, for whatever, right? So it's 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 not it's not it's God is not used here in any sort of religious context whatsoever. It's just that generic idea that there's this higher level and plane of existence. So, but we realized we shouldn't shy away and we shouldn't try to make this completely secular. It needs to be a bridge, right? That there needs to be just, just a little to to just enough of a connection, to to that we're not turning anybody off, but we're also not denying or ignoring or leaving anybody out, right? Because it would be wrong to try to make this completely secular, to try to appease the atheists, and then turn off, what sixty, seventy percent, or eighty percent of the population. <clears throat> that believe in a higher power who need to hear this, who need to see this video, who need to recognize that, yeah, God is all well and good, but God is not out there somewhere. And he's not an old man in the clouds. And that, and they, you know, it, even then, even then people that identify as atheists aren't even atheists because you talk to them and they still actually do recognize some form of a higher power, but they just think that atheist is not believing in a religious God. Right. 
Right. So you can even exactly. like when you explain to them that atheism is actually denying everything and that we're just mechanical and there's nothing more and that we go into the dirt and that's it. Most people, a lot of those people go, oh, no, no, that's not what I mean. I don't, you know, I can't deny that there's something else. Right. But they'll still say they're an atheist and you try and say to them, actually, you mean agnostic. That's what, that's what, that's what you mean. Yeah. 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 In that sense. Yes. So yeah. they're, then they're the, the, you know, the hardcore atheist, but even then, like, that's why you see the, the, the words that dominate this page are theos and logos and, you know, the laws of evolution and devolution. And you see the imagery here, the alpha, the omega, the ohm, right? God is just the catch-all term that encapsulates all of this. Well, did you, right? well, Theodore Tugboat, did it just cut? Did it just come to you? And is it just ironic or coincidence that it worked out that when you break down Theodore Tugboat, that it that it works out that way? Because I found that intriguing. Um, is it is it coincidence? No, it's serendipity. Well, that's that's what I mean. It wasn't your deliberate intent. It was yet yeah, yeah. No, all I knew was I had that picture of Theodore. And I knew that Theodore tugboat was going to be my tugboat. I knew that th it... because, because, I mean, let's face it. Everybody can relate to a bicycle because everybody's ridden a bicycle. Everybody has been part of a bicycle, right? That's what you do when you ride a bicycle. You, you're kind of part of that. You're one with the machine. But the same thing can't be said for tugboats. But Theodore, right, is a personification of a tugboat. He's a lovable character. Who's, who is? He is a tugboat. <laughs> so I knew, I knew that when the tugboat analogy came to me, I knew that Theodore had to be in every way, shape, and form when I'm, <coughs> when I'm showing, you know, these... Um, These slides, right? This animation, right? Where tug, where, uh, where, where I need a tugboat that's pulling and pushing the cargo ship into port. I found this, this, uh, this uh, uh, PNG, right? This, this uh, transparent graphic of Theodore. I knew that he was going to be my tugboat. And then, after I did all these slides and everything else, it's like. Hmm. I know Theo means God. And I looked up the rest and, of course, Doron or Doros is gift. I had made all of these slides, right? I started out with that quote of Einstein. The rational mind is a faithful servant. The intuitive mind is a gift. Right? It's the, it's the quote that I start the entire video off with. I had this quote from the very beginning. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And then I go and I do all of these slides. Okay, with the gifts. The sacred gifts and the faithful servant. I do all this work. I know that Theodore has to be my tugboat. 
because it's it's the only personification of a tugboat except for tugs. There's another one, an American uh, TV show called Tugs, the tugboat. But I knew that it could not be Tugs. It had to be Theodore. I just knew that. And then it wasn't until I actually Googled what what does Theodore mean? What does it come from? And then, of course, of course, it's gift of God, gifts of God. Of course, that's what Theodore has to be. That's not coincidence. That's not accident. Because that's what a tugboat does. That's what I'm showing here. All of that, all of that was planned, just not by me. It was planned by Alux. All light, God light. And, and how many years has Theodore Tugboat been around? It's the, these are not accidents. And they're, you know, and they're not accidents and they're not coincidence. They cannot be. They cannot be. And so... Azazel says, Azazel, oh, sorry. Um, Azazel says, I cannot see Theodore in that picture without thinking of the South Park parody of Russell Crowe who fights around the world in his faithful servant, Tugger. Um, I haven't seen it, but I'll take your word for it. South Park is usually pretty good at the parody stuff. And Azazel says, then people won't have to press on some... Oh, yes, okay. So we... Uh, yeah, so Azazel, the, the video is on Facebook. You can share it directly on Facebook. And uh, Benjamin says, yes, thank you for the video. I just shared it to my Facebook wall. I, uh, I pray that the message will be picked up by other truth, truth seekers. Uh, thank you, Benjamin. Thank you for sharing. And uh, I also, from now on, will, will share the, uh, the Facebook link um, as well, because for the same reasons you guys are saying, because people can watch it directly on Facebook that way instead of uh, having to click an external link, which, which Facebook doesn't like, doesn't like, for people to do they, they want to keep people inside the uh the facebook ecosystem well i know for, i know for my myself after watching the video and even even when you first bought the slides up a couple of weeks ago i didn't know who i didn't know about walter russell's work mm. so that's that's one area i'm really drawn to look into at the at the moment because i was i was was totally unaware of his and even a few of the quotes and a few other things I've read so far, very, very interesting. So I have to go down that pathway at the moment. Yeah, you see, that's one of the challenges of uh, doing the uh, the short version <clears throat> is um, keeping in the quotes. Like I have to find a better way to integrate the quotes where I can <clears throat> make it. I can keep them in there, but because right now they, they take up a lot of time. So I have to find a better way to, to be able to say the quotes, but but maybe I have to say them and they can be on screen, but they can't be this this slow, methodical, gentle way that I was that I present them in this video because they it, it, it's really um 
This is this must be the quote you're referring to here. Like you see how they come in so slow. Oh wait, no, you can't see this because it's not on screen. Oi, 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 oi. Okay, let's back up. Okay, here. So you see how slowly they come on? Like it's very, it's very artistic. It's very effective. But I, I can't do it like that on a 10-minute video. It just takes too, it just eats up too much time. So I think the way to do it is just for the whole thing to come on at once or for me to read or to come on a little faster and then me read it out loud. So, but anyway, these are, these are, these are the kinds of nuts and bolts things that I got to work out in order to do that. Um, what I call the TLDW version of it. Um, yeah. Here, where is it? Here it is. <laughs> I even call it this. I don't have a, a better a better uh, title for it at the moment. The, the do you know what TLDW means? No, I'm trying to think. Too long, didn't watch. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's not a lot of people know what the hell that means. So I, the people, for the people who know what it means, they might get a chuckle out of it. But for the people who don't know what it means, I can't leave it like this. <laughs> I know, I know, I know I'm guilty of TLDW. I try not to be because I, I do really enjoy a long video, but I can, I can imagine I know of a lot of people that you're right, that just see the time on a video. Nah, too long. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it is what it is. And, uh, and look, I'm, I'm guilty as well, but, but also because look, we have to be, we have to be uh, discerning. We have to discriminate. We, we don't have a choice. We can't watch everything. We can't. And, and frankly, uh, you know, these, these live streams, they, they, sometimes they go three hours, four hours. It's at least we're talking about something of value, but some of these live streams, you know, they, they'll talk about, you know, whatever, uh, pop culture and they'll talk about it for hours. These podcasts and stuff they, for hours and hours, they go on and on about, about like nerd stuff, right? Like nerd, nerd live streams and stuff talking about, about comic book characters and things like that. And, and having their nerd arguments, who would win in a fight? You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Superman or Captain Marvel? Like, I mean, like th th these types of <laughs> these these types of things, and people will like spend hours and hours and hours of their life on. And um, so we can't watch everything. We can't read everything. It's impossible. Nor should we have to. Nor should we want to. So it's in recognition of that that. You know, it's fine. What we've done so far is is fine. We, we wanted to do it. We needed to do it. We, 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 we came this far. We're going to break it up into parts. We're going to, you know, repub. We're going to publish those parts with links to the different, you know, and everything else. But um, this whole, like, titling schema and everything has to change so that 
the answer is like the human condition and meaning of life in in under 10 minutes. That's what this title needs to read. And this whole TW stuff and like th- like everything that's that's so currently connecting it to the certain to the to the uh the, the 36 minute version, all of this stuff I think has to be removed and changed. Like these animations take up too much time. Um, now some of this stuff is going to stay with the, with the, uh, the pillars, for example, that's really important. The two pillars and how they, 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 uh, they continue and they're this, and like how the visuals are like, I use the same visuals over and over and over again so that you get this internal consistency in the uh, visual language of the piece, right? So it's easier to grasp. So you know that, you know that this means rational mind and this means meta mind. Like you just know that by the time you get to the end, because you've been seeing these things presented over and over and over again in relation to, you know, rational mind, meta mind, rational mind, meta mind, like from, so here we see, you know, this is, um, when the two pillars are green, you're working with just rational mind. Like you're looking with ego and the implosion of life, suffering, everything else. And look at the guy in the background, right? So the the the, the visual, the, the look ex- explosion and implosion, the downward spiral. And you look at the picture of the guy in the background. This is the rational mind. And you know, and and all of these like visuals and stuff. And the same visual language using this same, so you take the wheel and um, and then these, these same logos, this iconography that once you, you establish what it means, like this is suffering, right? The broken heart is suffering, right? This is, you know, this is a, a the devolution and then, um, you know, not being is the upside down human being. And here they're getting flushed down the toilet, the downward spiral, right? But then you also take the same visual cue and say, but yeah, but what if I reverse everything? Now it's going in the other direction. And I take these things and I reverse them. And I overwrite the current thing, right, with a new thing. So instead of the downward spiral, right, we, we eliminate the egos and then we, we take out the wedge. The uh, the the uh, a pillar goes back to blue. It's now meta mind again, and and uh, as we uh, delete um, uh, dissolution of ego and rational mind, and we get to expansion of consciousness and synthesis of knowledge in meta mind, and it's the, we're we're using all the same visual language, but we're orienting it in different ways and using movement and other things to. To say, look, it's it's either this way or it's that way, and and it's this is where a lot of the time and energy and effort was spent. This is what we call visual aid, right? Like, and strategic communications, where where um, we're creating a visual language that's internally consistent to the communication piece that we're doing so that everything is 
it's bound into this kind of self-evident um, type of thing. And there's very little room for misunderstanding or miscommunication or, or, or interpretation, subjective interpretation. Um, so that's where the repetition and the and the also the the, the structure, the visual the visual structure, but then the representation of that and and I mean there's so much we can go into that there's actually a lot of psychology at work behind this, um, but it's not it's it, it's. It's all designed to to work within and work with the um, the uh, cognitive dissonance and the resistance that people have, but also to recognize that this material, under normal circumstances, is very, very, very difficult to grasp and takes years of study and and under you know to understand or or like, and you can't really understand it in the mind. You have to. You have to experience it. We have to grasp it. You have to comprehend well, actually, it. Actually, that's why I compared this to <clears throat> sex. Sex, the gateway, uh, gateway to Eden, because until I'd seen that video, these concepts weren't condensed in that form that you could actually show someone. And now, again, with what you've done here, you've done it even more so different and we're talk you're talking about different thing you're kind of talking about a different thing but it's it's you're right <clears throat> normally this material takes could take a a lifetime to comprehend so and that's why this is so important right this this task that was assigned to us because um that we really, we really are here, um, you know, and again, even half an hour is too long. So it's got to be even shorter than that. But, but the key here is, is <clears throat> expressing it in a way that, like we were talking earlier, that even agnostics can understand. And even atheists can understand. They can look at this and go, you know what? This this is plausible. This is this is plausible. This is like people like Sam Harris will look at this and go, "This is actually the most succinct explanation that explains why there's so much mental illness and why there's so much grief and suffering and depression and anxiety and stress." At the same time. It explains why human beings, certain human beings, seem to be capable of so such extraordinary things, and others are not. And the ones who seem to do extraordinary things seem to find such peace and happiness and 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 contentment in 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 their work and in, in their gifts and their in their music or whatever. Like even even troubled people troubled artists or whatever, they might live a troubled life, but when they're doing their music or when they're doing their art or when they're doing whatever, then all their troubles seem to vanish when they're in their element, doing what they were born to do. And then it's like they're on cloud nine and they're like, 
all their troubles go away. And it's only when they come back to the world and they're no longer actively working with their meta mind and they come back to the real world and they have to work with, deal with relationships and mortgages and tax implications and their, their drug addiction or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Then they fall yeah. back into the rational mind. And then, they, and then they have to they, they have to deal with all this suffering again. So, it's really, it's really um, expressing, and that's something that even at thirty six minutes, I don't get a chance to get into, which is how, in reality, in practice, we jump back and forth from being a cyclist to a unicyclist, and back again is that all of us have some kind of like relationship with our uh, true self and our meta mind and it's not all it's not all a question of all or nothing we either are, are a bicyclist or we're a unicyclist it's most of us are unicyclists most of the time but then we have these moments of being a bicyclist and you see this is the type of thing where you know I like how all of these analogies really need to get fleshed out more fully in a book. So a lot of the things that we're talking about even right now and what we've talked about in the past, even at 36 minutes, this is too short. It it does not encapsulate everything related to the information that we're sharing. And we don't have nearly enough time to devote enough time on each step of the alm of life, self-observation, so on and so forth. And of course, we talk about, oh, well, it's just like the immune system. It's just like anti-malware. But that's a throwaway line in this video. In my other video that's on the atlasproject.com website, there's a video over an hour long explaining exactly how anti-virus and anti uh, and the immune system uh, relates to the alm of life it's step by step by step by step by step as azel says yeah he says uh, that book will definitely be shared and given out yeah again so um there's so much more work to be done this is i just needed to uh, feel like I've gotten this thing to a point where I can get it off my plate. And I just, uh, and the next step is to fix these audio issues, uh, break it up into the four parts, get those four parts onto YouTube. And then I get that 10 minute version done one way or another. And then, um, and then it's write the book. And publish the book and then i have pretty much um and then depending on what comes out of that um there may be more videos in the future talking about specific aspects um like for example i have videos uh, that are in progress uh, that i started and abandoned in order to do this talking about all of the individual aspects of the Atlas project. Um, 
the keys, right? The key enterprises and solutions. There they are there. So I've started a video on sound empowered enlightened metaphysical science. I've started a video on ecosystem advanced human habitat. Um, and, and, and I'm not sure if the book that I write, you know, the book that I write has to be only about this individual seeking analogous ultimate methodology, but it's going to, it, it starts to, it's going to encompass some of these other aspects. So am I going to be de uh, dedicating chapters to these other aspects? And if so, this book is going to be mammoth. It's going to be huge. Or should I break it all up into just individual parts and just have the, 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 the first book just be laser focused on, on the topic of this video, for example, individuals seeking analogous ultimate methodology, Isalm. And then I can do individual books for each, for each aspect of the Atlas project. That seems to me more reasonable, like the way to go, because then you can, you can have books that are in like the hundred pages, 120 pages, like kind of like very thin, snappy, pick it up. You know what I mean? Like, but if I put all of that into one book, we're talking about what, 600, 700 pages. Nobody's going to read that. Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to pick it up. Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to read it. Yeah, see, as Azil says, the one of uh, um, uh, the, uh, giving, a, giving a book of Samael is a big nah. People would be freaked out. And he says, the one of revolutionary psychology is probably his most shareable book, but still scary for the majority. So yeah, a book explaining fear is needed to break the ice. And yeah, we have a book that we have to write about fear, <laughs> right? So there's, there's, we have so much work ahead of us um, that we need to do. Um, on, on that note, thank you. Thank you very much for letting me be a part of this. Um, I do have to go, but I appreciate it. I appreciate all, you, all your work and keep up, keep up the good work. Well, glad you could join us. And listen, we're going to be signing off now anyway, because I've got to go. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, so take care. We'll see you next week. Uh, Mugaboo no said, um, uh, says, uh, just talking about sexual discipline is hard with some family and friends. <clears throat> I can't even begin to imagine giving them a whole Samael book. Yeah, I think that's in response to uh, <clears throat> Azazel's comment about giving people a book on Samael. And this is the other aspect that doesn't get uh, talked about in this video and would really have to be covered in a book in a sort of uh, separate section, separate page. Um, and there's a lot more information that, uh, that needs to be shared. So anyway, so we have our work cut out for us, but listen, thank you all for joining us. Uh, Blake, um, I had to step out and it's been two and a half hours. I've got to get going now. Uh, so thank you all for, uh, joining us <clears throat> and, uh, hope to see you next week. Uh, if I can have the 10 minute version done by then, then we'll, well, I think we'll run things a little bit differently this time. I think we'll show it, we'll try to show it in the, the live stream first, <clears throat> but anyway, 
I'll I'll work out all those details um, as we as we move forward. So thank you all. Uh, if you um, thank you for the feedback, it's really appreciated, and um, and thank you for the recommendations on the software. Different the the uh, the uh, the recommendation on different uh, software packages to use for video editing and so on. I will take a look at it, and um, if I find it useful, then the Audacity is free. And uh, if there's a different uh, video editing software that I can work with and they're free, maybe I'll cut my ties to Adobe and save that, that monthly uh, subscription fee. Who knows? We'll see. But thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. Uh, Inverential peace and God bless. Take care.